Well, good morning. Happy Father's Day to all of you. There were four expectant fathers. They were in Minneapolis Hospital waiting room while their wives were in labor. The nurse tells the first man, congratulations, you're the father of twins. What a coincidence. I work for the Minnesota Twins baseball team. Well, the nurse returns and tells the second man, you're the father of triplets. Wow, what a coincidence. I work for 3M Corporation. The nurse then tells the third man that his wife has given birth to quadruplets. Another coincidence, I I work for the Four Seasons Hotel. Well, at this point, the fourth guy faints when he comes to. The others ask what's wrong, and he says, I work for (laughs) 7-Up. You know, on Father's Day, a little boy decides to make his dad a breakfast in bed, and he makes scrambled eggs, toast, and coffee, and he brings it into his dad and hands him the cup of coffee. The dad takes a sip and just about passes out from it being so strong. The little boy asks, how you like that, Dad? Well, the dad doesn't want to hurt the little boy's feelings, so he says, this is something else. I've never tasted coffee quite like this before, son. The little boy smiles from ear to ear and says, drink some more, Dad. As the dad is drinking, he notices two army men in the bottom of his cup and says, Hey, why did you put army men in here? Well, the little boy again smiles and sings, The best part of waking up is soldiers in your cup. All right. How many of you have had the perfect dad when you grew up? Can anybody say you had the perfect dad? A few of you. You know, I, I had a great dad. He, he wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination. We had our differences. But he was quite a prayer warrior, and he certainly loved the church. Some of you even knew my dad, if you've been around here for about 10 or 12 years, because he passed away about eight or nine years ago, came to this church. I remember when I was growing up that it was embarrassing to sit next to him in church because he sang so loud it broke my eardrums. I mean, it was just unbelievable. And we would sing that old song, The Wonderful Grace of Jesus. You remember that one? Some of you been around a while? And he would belt that thing out, and I would just go like, oh, man, I can't believe it. Um, but he was a good dad, and he loved the Lord. And when Dad passed away, it was really interesting for me because I felt like, you know, now I'm at the top of the food chain. And with my earthly dad out of the mix it kind of kept me thinking about, where do I go from here? Who's my real dad? And my real dad is my heavenly father. Amen? He's the perfect dad. Now, we know that our earthly fathers in our lives, oftentimes the way they respond to us, the way they've acted, the way they've fathered us, is often the way we relate to our heavenly father. So if if your dad was perhaps a demanding type of personality, then maybe your perception of God is one who is extremely demanding. If your dad was critical of you all the time, maybe you think that God might be one of those types that's always got his two-by-four ready to whack you over the head, being critical of the way you live. If your dad abandoned you at some point in your life, maybe you feel like sometimes God isn't there for you. Maybe your dad was abusive, and perhaps maybe you think that God might be a bit abusive as well. If dad never understood or listened, maybe God isn't interested in listening to you and your prayers either. If dad was always there for me, maybe so is God. If dad always encouraged me, so could God. And if dad disciplined me in love, so could God. 
Well, I don't know about you, but I can't think of a better day to talk about our daddy than on Father's Day. You and I, if you're an adopted son or adopted daughter, have a perfect daddy. And I want to dig into that a little bit this morning. How do you have this, or how do you get to have this person as a perfect dad? Well, I want to take you to Romans chapter 8. It's a big, meaty chapter this morning, and and we're going to dive into it a little bit, not give it the credit that it's probably due, but we're going to glean some things out of there that I think reflect as to who our daddy really is. And so we're going to start in verse 12 and read through verse 15, or actually verse uh, through 17 this morning. So follow along with me. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are what? Sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Let's stop right there for just a minute. How do you meet your daddy? Most of you in this room have met daddy before. You see, the word Abba comes from an Aramaic word, and it actually means daddy in Aramaic. It's only used two other times in scripture. The one time that it was used was in Matthew chapter 26, verse 42, where Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And it's really interesting there where we see Jesus on his knees before his father, and he says, Father, Daddy, if this cup could pass from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. The other time it was mentioned in Galatians. So only three times in scripture, this word Abba is used. But what it really designates is this child-daddy relationship. It, it, it emphasizes the idea that I am totally and 100% dependent upon my daddy for my daily sustenance and love, and so I'm completely surrendered to you as a little child in this relationship. So when we think about daddy, who gets to call him? God the Father, daddy, Well, number one, it says here, those who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. You see, there's a cultural belief in our right now out there that says we're all sons and daughters of God. No, we're not. No, the real sons of God and daughters of God are those who are led by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. And so this morning, if you have never met Daddy... You're not being led by the Spirit because the Spirit of God must come into your life. In in verse 14, it says, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. These are people who have legitimately invited the Spirit of Christ into their lives. You remember what it says in John 1.12? It says, yet to all who have received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. A part of our adoption into the family of Christ is for us to individually receive the Spirit of Christ into our life. If we don't receive the Spirit of Christ into our life, we cannot call Father Daddy. If we're not led by the same Holy Spirit, 
which is my second point this morning, is that those who get to call Father Daddy are those who depend on God. This childlike dependency is modeled here. Every time you see, only the three times you see Abba Father in Scripture, it's a matter of dependency. Here's my point this morning. It may be awkward for some of you to call your Heavenly Father Abba or Daddy because you are not depending on the Holy Spirit every day of your life. And if we don't depend upon the Holy Spirit, it may be a bit awkward for us to, in our prayer, saying, Dear Daddy... You get what I'm saying? The Spirit of Christ must be depended upon every day for our daily life. You see, if you've done those things, if you've received Jesus Christ into your life, you've not just believed, but you received the Holy Spirit and you are being led by the Spirit, you get to call our Heavenly Father, Daddy. Now, I don't know if that rings with your heart this morning, but it just really brings a lot of comfort to me. Are there days where you just feel like you can't pull it off by yourself? But because the Holy Spirit resides in our life, we can say, Daddy, this perfect Daddy. So we meet Daddy by accepting His Holy Spirit into our lives. And so we rely upon God. And if you don't have that relationship this morning, I would encourage you to take that step because you don't, you you cannot believe how much pressure it takes off the way we live our lives to be able to be dependent upon God. You say, well, that's a crutch. You bet it is. I'll take it every day. I want to depend on my daddy. But look at the benefits. Look at the benefits of being able to call Heavenly Father, your daddy. It says in verse 17, Now, if we are children, then we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed in his suffering, in order that we may also share in his glory. So one benefit is that we are an heir. Now, that sounds kind of interesting. Did you ever wish you were born into a rich family? Wouldn't that be sweet sometime if you were born into a rich family? And, and, and you knew that along the journey that when your dad or your uncle or whatever that person is that's really rich, that you were going to inherit all of this incredible wealth. So what this is saying is, is that when we come to know Jesus Christ and we receive him into our heart and life, we become a part of a royal family. And in that royal family, there is an inheritance. And so we get to all enjoy the rights and privileges as an adopted son that God has to offer. Now, what are those rights and privileges? What are those things that we can enjoy as a part of this royal family? Well, first of all, because we are adopted in the family, we've been chosen, the Bible tells us. Now, I don't know how the chosen and man's free will intersect, but I do know that they do at some point in our lives. But what's really exciting is that when you're adopted, you're actually chosen. You know, when you have a biological son or daughter, it's what God gives you. But when you adopt somebody, you actually make a choice. I was thinking about back on Mother's Day when, when uh, Pastor Josh came up here with, with Katie, with their, their little boy Xander. And I thought, wow, that kid is so lucky. 
He's so blessed because why? Because, because Josh and Katie prayed and prayed and prayed for just the right person, a baby to come along. And they chose, they chose Xander. My question to you this morning, do you feel special? Because you know Jesus? He chose you. That's, that's worth more than all the inheritance on the planet. Remember when you were a kid and you were choosing up sides on the playground? Remember those days? And didn't it feel kind of yucky if you were the last kid to get chosen on the playground? But when you were the first choice, it was like, yeah, I want him because, you know, he's got it together, da 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 da. Well, God chose us. We were first in line, He chose us. Secondly, we're chosen because God loves us. He loves us so much. And when you think about his love for us, it gives us significance. You know, everybody in life is looking for significance, right? We want to be honored. We, we want to have some sort of recognition. We want to feel important. We want to feel valuable. But he chose us because he loved us. For God so loved the world that he gave, right? He loved us so much that he, he wanted to see, felt that we were so significant in his economy that he died for us. He loved us that much. That's a part of being an adopted son. And then in John 14, we know that in my father's house are many rooms. So we not only have the, uh, the air of being chosen and just to feel significant, which is more important than all the money in the world, but we also have heaven to look forward to because he says, I go to prepare a place for you. He's been preparing a place for us for a long time. I can't imagine what it's going to look like. But we have an inheritance to look forward to beyond this earth. You know, we can't take the, all the junk we accumulate with us, right? But we sure can look forward to his inheritance in heaven. So that's one benefit of being an heir. But he also says that we can share in Christ's glory. Now, what does that mean? Well, see, when Jesus died and he rose again and he went to heaven, Jesus received this glorified body, a perfected body. And each one of us, when we die, we can shed all the aches and pains of cancer and all that stuff, and we can enjoy a glorified body. I can't wait. I don't know about you. The older I get, you know, you know you're getting old when every conversation you have is around your aches and pains, right? You agree? But someday we get a glorified body. We get to be just like Jesus. We're perfected. We finally get it. When we come face to face, we shall be like him just as he is, scripture tells us. We get a glorified body. I, I, I'm looking forward to that day. I don't know about you. But then what's really interesting in verses 22 through 25, he talks about sharing in his suffering. You say, well, what's so good about that? You know, if I'm going to be a part of this joint heir thing and I'm a part of the royal family, what's suffering got to do with it? Well, I think it's a powerful statement because I really think that when we think about suffering, it is an honest privilege for us to identify with Christ. And you say, that's not so much fun. But as a part of the, being a part of the royal family, there is also suffering involved. Look at verses 22 through 25. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. 
Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies, that glorified body. He says, in essence, what he's saying here, that, that we're waiting for that moment when we can have that heaven experience where we have that glorified body. But in the meantime, there are suffering and things that go on in our bodies and in our life. For it says, for in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. You see, what suffering does in terms of our inheritance is that we get to know that there's more to life than what's going on right now. Does that make sense? See, when we suffer, when, when, when we go through pain, it shouts to us that there is a better life ahead of us when we know that someday we will be like him in our glorified bodies. So suffering is a part of the inheritance, and yet we don't really enjoy suffering, perhaps, but it's an opportunity to identify with Christ and to give us hope. If we had just a glorious time here on earth and there was no pain, no agony, no suffering, what would we have to look forward to? So suffering's a part of the deal. Suffering's a part of the inheritance. We're going to talk about that next week because we're going to honor again the 19 firefighters who passed away because next week is the annual anniversary of that moment. And a lot of people ask, why do bad things happen to good people? Why would a loving God allow this to happen? We're going to talk about that next week. But we do know this, that when suffering comes... It's for us who know Christ, realize that beyond this moment, I have something great to look forward to as my inheritance. So those are the benefits. But there's a support system also built into this. And I call it daddy's support system. And you look at verse 26. And it says, in the same way, the spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. For the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings that words cannot express. And it says, And he, he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. So the support system here, he says, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us in our prayers. Do you know how important this is? Are, are there days where you don't know what to even say to God? Or are there days where you don't even talk to God? What he's saying here is, is that God has given us a go-between, an intercessor, a person that, that actually can interpret what our heart is feeling and thinking. And, and, and there's days where we don't even know how to express some of those feelings and those painful moments, but we have a Holy Spirit that totally understands, but he not only understands us, who else does he understand? He understands his Father, right? Because he has the mind of God. So what's really cool is, is that he not only knows us so well, but he knows the Father so well, so who better to have as an intercessor in our life? So we've got a father, a daddy, who has provided an intercessor for us to connect with him right from heart to heart. Is that cool or what? I don't know if you're buying that, but I think it's pretty cool. Now, what else is really interesting here, as far as the support system goes, we have this promise that if we love God, we talked a little bit about this last week, that it's going to work out for good. If you look at verse 28, 
We quote this scripture a lot, but it says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, I shared last week, that promise is not for people who are, who are not adopted sons. That promise is for you if you've been an adopted son. If you can call him daddy, you have this promise. Now, he says all things work together for good. What does that good mean? Does that mean everything works out happily ever after and everything's going to be great and you're going to have prosperity and you're going to have all these, you're going to have health, you're going to have wealth, you're going to have all these things? Not necessarily. That's not what he's saying. When you really study what good means here, he's saying no matter what goes on in our lives, both good and bad, it's all designed for us to be more like Christ. And what is that? That's good. Right? That's good. See, God designs our lives so that we'll be more like him, so that we meet him face to face. We also be complete. But right now we're on this journey. And on this journey, God is doing all this work in our lives, all this work, all this stuff that's being orchestrated behind the scenes and in front of us is all meant to make us more like Jesus. And friends, that's good. Do you believe that? So we have the promise of turning out good. And ultimately, we know that we will turn out just like Jesus when we see him face to face. But right now, life's that process. Thirdly, you look at verse 31. I like this verse. It says, what then shall we say in response to all this adopted son business? I just threw that in there because it's a part of the conclusion of the text. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? You know what I love about this? What he's saying here is when you become a part of the royal family, when you're an adopted son, he's... He's fighting for us. Ultimately, who's going to win? We are. Right? If God's going to fight for us, then ultimately we're going to win. And you know what really helps me with that? When you see what happened in South Carolina this past week, and you see all the evil and all the junk and all the garbage that's happening in our culture and all the changes where there's no more morality, there's no sense of, of absolutes. You know, and I look at all of that and I say, you know what? If God be for us, someday God's going to get the victory. And he's getting the victory all over this world. Maybe not as many victories as we'd like to see in the U.S., but we're seeing tremendous victories all over the world. Do you know, I just heard this past week when I was at the National Conference for the Free Church, I was talking to a, a pastor who's been over in China. Do you know they're sending out 100,000 missionaries out of the underground church in China all over the world to share the gospel of Christ? If God be for us, who can be against us? God's ultimately going to get the victory. Amen? That's what's really cool about being a part of the winning team. We're not a bunch of losers. Right? You see, when God's on our side, there's no contest. The victory's won. Then the fourth thing that I see as a support system is verses 35 to 37. 
Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, or danger, or sword, as it is written? For you, we face, we, we take, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, he says, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So here's what he says. For I'm convinced. Are you convinced? Think about this for a minute. I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, nor the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will it be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Did you have a father that abandoned you? Not our Lord. Not our Lord. No matter what goes on in our life, no matter what hell we're going through, no matter what's going on in this world today, we know and have this and we can take it to the bank. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Amen? Now, these are deep theological truths. And we could spend more time in this text because it's so rich with so many things. But I need to ask some really hard questions this morning. Can you go to your Heavenly Father and say, Daddy, you know, when my dad passed away, I remember maybe the first few times that I prayed. And um, when this whole concept of Abba Father kind of struck me, I started my prayer with Daddy. And at first it felt kind of weird. Daddy, could you start a prayer this morning and say, Daddy, like a little child. I don't know if you remember back in that day, maybe when you were very, very little and you used that term, Daddy. This is a terrible analogy, but you know, since our kids are gone, our dog, I'm Daddy, she's Mommy. <laughs> right? You, some, you know what I'm talking about. Right? We just came home from being over in California for five days and they let Sophie out of the kennel and Lynn was there first and she said, where's daddy? And Sophie just went bonkers. You know, she wags her tail and whimpers and cries and she's so excited about seeing daddy. You know, leave it to your dog to emulate how we're to be with our Lord. You know? You know what I'm saying? Do you get excited you know maybe it's been a long time you've been living your life maybe sort of independently lately you've been been kind of doing your thing and for some of you it's time to get reunited with daddy it's a terrible analogy but maybe some of us need to wag our tails a little bit more You know what I'm saying? Do you realize how intimate our Father wants to be with us? 
You know, when he says in Revelation chapter 3, behold, I stand at the door and knock, he's not talking to non-believers, he's talking to you. And he says, if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will sup with him and he with me. He said, he said what he's saying there, he said, I want to be intimate with you. I want to be your dad. You know, sometimes we, we treat God like social media. It's, it's kind of like, um, you know, we'll send him a text occasionally. Or we'll, we'll, we'll post. We're sort of that way with our Lord. When he's saying, you know, I, you know one of the things that we're required to do is, on our staff is that we, we, we try to connect with our pastors, and I have over 600 pastors that I try to love on and encourage. Well, that's almost an impossibility, as you know. And so we said, you know, let's try to write a letter to each one handwritten letter, and let's make a phone call. But then we said, you know, we really want to do a face-to-face. And I'm a little old-fashioned, but face-to-face, there's no, there's no substitute for that. When's the last time you've been face-to-face with Daddy? You just kind of send him a text occasionally, let him know you're still hanging out. You see, if we're going to call him Abba Father, we really need to be intimate with our dad. When's the last time you've been really intimate with daddy? Just you and him, pouring your heart out, listening to him, enjoying that childlike dependence or have you been so busy and so independent that all he gets is an occasional text? Just one other thought. As an earthly father, because there are many dads sitting here this morning, or a grandfather, have you emulated those qualities that your heavenly father has emulated to you? Unconditional love, understanding, interceding for your kids and your grandkids, fighting for them, letting them know that nothing can separate them from your love. There's a lot to think about this morning. But first of all, there may be somebody sitting here today who's never met Daddy. Oh, you believe in God, but you've never entered into this intimate, childlike, dependent faith in your dad. And this morning might be the day. And you can enjoy all the benefits of the royal family. Would you pray with me this morning? Daddy. I love you. And I need you. Don't let me get away with a text. Or a Facebook post. Maybe there's somebody here this morning that needs to confess before you, you, Dad, that they've been acting pretty independently lately. They're trying to be a big boy and a big girl, and they've forgotten how to depend on you. This morning, they want to reconnect with you. They don't want it to feel awkward to call you Daddy. They want to know that 
personal and deep and intimate relationship with you, an almighty God who loves them very deeply. If that's the desire of your heart this morning, I would invite you to come forward this morning. You know, I was watching Billy Graham the other day and I was wondering about altar calls and things like that. And I love what Billy Graham had to say. He said, you know, Jesus never called anybody out privately. He called them out publicly. And they responded publicly. This morning, if that's the desire of your heart, I want to invite you to come forward here as we sing this last song and reconnect to your daddy. If you've never met Daddy, Abba Father, and that's the desire of your heart this morning, I would encourage you to get up and come front here. And by publicly expressing that, you've really sealed the deal. There'll be people up here to pray with you if need be. If you want some privacy, that's okay too. But I sense that today, God wants us to really celebrate Father's Day because today it's Daddy's Day. Lord, I pray that if you're working in somebody's heart this morning, they would have the courage to come forward here and meet you face to face. And maybe that's been a long time. Love you, Dad. Thank you for listening to the audio from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com.